Now they're going to punt. I mean, this is playing for the tie. A tie is better than a loss. The fans here are not going to like it. And welcome to another episode of the Turn Up For What podcast, talking your Houston Texans straight from the Great British Isles. And we're back to talk week one after 145 episodes. It took 20 years for the Texans to finally come out with a tie in a team that, or two teams that desperately tried to lose the game and throw it away. But this week, join us. We've got a first-time guest um, from Radio 610, Mr. Ron, the show. Hugely, Ron, how you doing? I'm good, man. And uh, you spoke about it, boy. That that was nobody wanted that game yesterday. I, I mean, the amount of mistakes, um, especially the Colts, the amount of mistakes they made, and then the, the Texans tried to match them in the fourth quarter. But uh, that that one that one was just a tough one. It was like, man, somebody somebody winning. Yeah, because I mean, if you think, I mean, I wrote them all down there just when I was watching the game back this morning. You had like, Alex Pierce dropped in the end zone. They played some wildcat with Naheem Hines instead of Jonathan Taylor. J- Jerry Hughes gets an interception, sets up seven. They botched the two-minute f- um, field goal drive in a two-minute situation. They fumbled the snap three times and another drop in the end zone in the fourth quarter. And uh, two big flags on on on, uh, on Moore, the nickel back for them. Um, and Taylor ran out of field or out of bounds uh, off the field short of a th- short of the third down late in the game um, and you've got two 40 yard starts or 40 yard line starts from Blankenship kicking out out of, out of field and uh, and he also missed a, a 40, 40 something field goal to win it um, I don't think the Colts could have done more to give te- the Texans that game run my goodness yeah they and they attempted to like a fumbling uh kickoffs or punts that they they got back a couple of times i mean they they were they were pushing the limits of just it was it was ridiculous and it was and the way that it felt was like hey this feels like a lovey smith special you all just keep making mistakes and we'll just sit here and win and let you beat yourself and we'll just coast ourselves to a win and that's that's what it felt like it was going to be until the fourth quarter happened and uh, and the Texans joined in the party. Yeah. We'll come back to Lovey and some of his calls, but just firstly, Ron, what was it like yesterday? I think you were in the in the stadium. What was the atmosphere like? What was what was the buzz around the place? And was it different from last year? Oh God, come on, man. Uh listen, I, I could just tell you straight from the experience of so like driving in, uh last year, especially uh, after like week five or six. Yeah. Like driving in, man, I it is a breeze to get to where yeah. where my gate that I need to get to to park. And so I said, you know what? Saw the excitement in the in the preseason. I said, let me take off a little earlier. And yeah, it was a it was it was a lot of excitement. The walk I had to get to uh, the press box area and seeing fans and people were ready to go. And uh, it was a lot. It was a lot louder. Um, and. Uh, there were some Colts fans, but like last year, the Seattle game, it, like I would have bet money there were more Seahawks fans than Texans fans last year. But it was the atmosphere was much better as opposed to last year. Uh, so so they had that going and people were people were excited about the team. I'd say for the first time, really, in the last couple of years, people had a renewed excitement for the Texans. Yeah, I was at the game last year against the Jets just after Thanksgiving. Yeah, just exactly. I was always laughing when you said that because I just couldn't believe the lack of traffic versus previous trips um, yes. and, and just the lack of people at the tailgate as well. So it was a bit of a buzz. It, it certainly seemed like the organisation done really well, built up some positive equity with the fan base and no more so, so than through Lovey Smith. But I think, Ron, yesterday he potentially eroded some of that uh, with the calls. There was a... Fourth and two in the third quarter, didn't go for it, punted when it could have been a 59-yard field goal. I think roughly it was a 42, yep, so 59-yard field goal uh, when Kaimi's 61 attempt last year was good. There was a fourth and three twice, one in the fourth quarter and in overtime, which rang out the booze. It was clear as day on the broadcast. What do you think of Lovey Smith's conservatism in terms of not going for it? And then also, what do you think that's done to his broader reputation? Listen, I, I think uh, I hated it, just like I can hear it in your voice. You did. Um, I, I hate uh, um, just leaving it out there. I think what it brought to me was 
during all of this, Lovey, when he got here, commanded respect because of, of who Lovey Smith is. And he just and I think hiring Lovey Smith, having him be the face instead of Nick Casario, having him be the guy that people look at as the face of the Texans immediately brought respect, immediately brought uh, the factor of taking them serious. And they weren't a laughing stock anymore. And so much so lovey just listening to him to the two coaches previous before him, especially over Cully, who just wasn't fit for the job, just didn't have enough experience for the job. When you heard him and you hear him and it was like, wow, like, you got a real head coach. You felt good about your situation, your head coach. And, man, I think it blinded us from why people weren't giving Lovey Smith jobs. It made us forget why it is that Lovey Smith frustrates the hell out of fan bases that he was the head coach of. And we got to see it all over the fourth quarter in overtime. His conservative nature has always been something that frustrated fans in Chicago, his short term in Tampa. That has been him. He is like he was happy with Rex Grossman as his quarterback to get him like he wanted to win. Like he is a guy. He won't say it out loud. He is a guy. Hey, man, let's punt this sucker. I'm fine with it, man. We got a lead. Let's punt. Let's just keep playing. He we got to see what it is that frustrated him. We got to see the ceiling that he has had in the past. And that is. I'm I'm going to play on my defense. I'm going to I'm going to do what it says in the book. And when I say the book, the book from like 1993, and that's what I'm going to do. And and we forgot with all of the respect he gave us and how he made you feel about being a Texan and that you got a real coach over what you had before. He's very, very likable. But yesterday in the fourth quarter in overtime, we got a chance to remember, oh, yeah, that's why people weren't knocking down the doors to hire Lovey Smith, because there's a ceiling there. Yeah, you're right. And I mean, I suppose with the, with the the broader context that he was hired in, he's going to get next year. So, like, I think, you know, yeah. people are going to have to get used to this in a sense. But, yeah, I think it kind of gave a real sense of a ceiling, I think. And I think a lot of people have been really positive about it, similarly in the way they have been with Pep Hamilton um, over the off season. But I thought at times there was the, the offensive play calling for me, Ron, yesterday. There was a quite, there was at least three second and mediums to long distances that they ran the ball with Rex Burkhead. Um, and I think the, the 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 play call to go for it on third down, trying to put a heavy personnel set, jumbo package, whatever you want to call it on the field, and try and beat that Colts defensive line, which gave guys like Titus Howard, Tunsil, all they could handle all day. And I don't think any of them covered themselves in glory, but I thought the play calling plus the lack of kind of being able to establish himself up front against their defense, I think was a, was, was quite a concern. Yeah. And, and I think, and I think it's not a coincidence that in that time of the game, the, the, the creativity was shut off, right? You open up the half with the flea flicker, by the way, we'll get to Davis Mills. I'm sure at some point, Davis Mills, uh, you, that's gotta be a walk-in touchdown. I mean, you yeah. can't have a guy having to stop and fair catch it. Uh, to 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 catch it, but like we're seeing flea flickers right off the bat. We're seeing creativity. I think what they did to get OJ Howard open on a couple of occasions, you saw like you saw them scheme stuff. He schemed things. Then it became, nah, man, we're not gonna have Damian Pearson, the guy who gives us the best chance to make a play, even if it's it blocked well. We're gonna have Rex in because I trust Rex. And I know exactly what I'm going to get from Rex. And I don't think he's going to fumble, right? Like it was just, let's just run it into, let's not play action. Let's not go play action on one of these first downs to try to get something. Let's not come down the field on one of these. It was hey, let's, let's be smart and let's understand we're not going to lose the game. And, and that's, and that's what it was. Yeah, just go back to that creativity point. I think, you, like you said, I think on the second OG Howard touched in, there was some great pre-snap motion. Bre- Absolutely. Brevin lined up as a fullback, motioned out. Somebody else motioned to the other side. And everybody was focused on all those guys moving. And for the second time, almost identically in the day, OG Howard guts them up the seam, 
it's going to be holes in a, in a defence like that that Gus Bradley runs. Um, and it was, you know, two really easy scores. Now, but beyond that, I think, you know, that's probably the concern. I think, first of all, Ron, the, the run game again let us down. And actually, schematically, um, obviously the all 22 is not out yet, but certainly in terms of organisation, in terms of structure of the offence, in terms of the running game, was good. Uh, but I lost count how many times Rex Burkhead ran into the, the back of people, wasn't patient enough, didn't see the hole, um, and you've got Damian Pierce on the sideline. I think the running game was one of the things that this team has to have this year for things to go right, uh, or even semi-okay, um, and it just wasn't there yesterday. I mean, you said it, right? Like, we were sold a bill of goods that Damian Pierce was the guy, and we watched him in the preseason. I watched him at training camp almost every day that he should have been the guy. He should be the guy. He's a starting running back is what Lovey said. He's earned it. And then we came down to it. And Rex Burkhead is getting, you know, 19 carries. You know, Rex Burkhead has, you know, almost 20 touches. And he has like 10. You know, Rex Burkhead is doubling the amount of touches. And there is, there's an absolute ceiling to Rex. He's a, he's a solid, solid player. But Damian Pierce, as we saw, gives you the chance, the best chance to get yards in the run game because it doesn't have to be blocked perfectly. His vision has been fantastic all the way up to this point. And when you give Rex Burkhead that many more opportunities, especially late, and basically, I know you saw it, Damian Pierce just became a guy who spelled Rex. Like that, that, that's what it was. We thought it was going to be the, the opposite. He just came in, spelled him. There are a couple of times we're in the press box. We're like, is, is Pierce hurt? Is there an injury or something? And no, and I can and I can remember seeing him from my spot in the press box at the end of the game. I could see, I mean, he almost fired his helmet into the ground. I could see the frustration like all over his body. Uh, and and like I, I just think that's the biggest thing. I think your O line has improved. I think George Warhop has improved this offensive line. But you got to give your best guy a shot. Like that's who's that that's who's got to get the ball most of the time. I think that's the biggest problem to me is you just didn't give your best players the most opportunities to score or to to, to have a chance to run the football. Yeah, it's all. I suppose it's all linked in with the play call and the play design, as you said. The creativity tap got shut off as things look. You know, as as adversity struck, it looked like the the options to the offense narrowed, which was not a good thing. Um, but yeah, after that play that Mills tripped, Damian Pierce, that you saw him, Lovey kind of embraced him as he came off on the sidelines. And that, that, that was almost the point where they, they flipped the switch. And I, I don't know if they just thought, let's take him out this week, let's reduce these carries. I don't know if that was planned, but certainly it's not putting the best talent out there. And I think that's that's the concern. When you've got these young guys, this season is about development and progress towards becoming competitive. And 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 let's and give them credit. They're an eight and a half point underdog. They covered that with aplomb, did really well. You get a tie in a game. You probably should have won when you're 17 points up with with 10 minutes to go in the fourth quarter. But I think the the whole offense, the lack of running game, the lack of using your best players is going to really irk some people, I think, Ron. That's a frustration, right? Like, yeah, yeah, there were some good things done yesterday. But we've got to be honest. The Colts did everything they could to lose the game. Like they, like they just, the focus, whatever. But if they're going to do that, you got to take it. You can't be, you can't be up 17 in the fourth quarter, or even worse, as you said, 10 minutes left and lose that game. And it really doesn't sit well with, all right, seven, you're up 17 points. The thing you want to do, man, let's try to run the ball. Let, no, let's run. We're going to run the ball, try to run this clock out. And you got a kid who has been the best without a shadow of a doubt on your team. That could, I mean, Damian Pierce by the fourth quarter, pounding, pounding and running as hard as he does and getting yards. Like you could salt this game away the way you want to. And nope. Nope. We trust Rex. We trust Rex. And I just, and it was, it, it, it that's the part, that's the part that's infuriating. I think for Texas fans is we were up 17 and we didn't use our best guns to, 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 to get this thing done. We're out here targeting Chris Conley as damn near as many times as Nico Collins is. Can that experiment be done? And he's dropping the ball. Like we're not in, like, you know, I just, I, 
it was just frustrating at the end because it seemed like Rex Burkhead was getting the the lion's share of the touches over Cooks, Collins, and Pierce. And that's what you thought it was going to be this year. And never did you think with a game on the line like this, with your chance to get an upset like this, that it would be Rex Burkhead, who it appears you're trying to get the ball to. Just that That's just frustrating. Yeah, and I think the distribution of the ball, particularly in the passing game, like you said there, Ron, was really poor. I think to to have Nico, who's, who, who you really need to kind of break out this year and be a reliable target, only targeted three times. You saw the Colts utilise it. Pretty much everybody on the active roster had a target pretty much for the Colts on the other side. Um, yeah. A bit more, you know, and I, I think the play calling, as you said, became predictable. They ran that angle route late on. I think it was an overtime in the fourth quarter. I can't remember. To Burkhead again. Burkhead had more passing um, targets than pr- all the wide receivers pretty much combined. Obviously, Brandon Cooks led the way. And I think, you know, when you look at, when you compound the issues that we had yes, last year, when you've got to have a new scheme, when you've still got the same fundamental issues of not being able to run the ball and over overfeeding yep. Brandon Cooks and, you know, 50 plus percent of your targets are going through him, an uneven, unhealthy distribution of the ball, then teams are going to get wise to that pretty quick. So I, I don't know quite how Pep fixes it, but certainly what we saw earlier in the game needs to be more of that kind of stuff than, yes. than, than what he digressed to late on. And it, it felt like he closed up a bit and just didn't use the full playbook when, you know, this season is a free hit in many ways. There's no there's no downside to, to being creative and going for it and, and being an orthodox at times there is no downside in this season's context i think man it didn't feel a lot like last year like you've seen before you know like tim kelly even tim kelly would have some creative shots some creative things he may do at certain points of the game early in games but then when you get done you look at it and it's like brandon cooks has eight like 15 targets and nobody else is trusted or at least davis mills doesn't trust anybody else to go to and you're running the football with with like you're like how is david johnson get more carries than anybody else you know how why in the world is he get more carries than everybody else like at the point last year there were moments you're like rex burkett hell should be getting more carries yeah and it was still david johnson and philip Lindsay getting more carries it's happening again right now at the end of the game you look at it and i think you know cooks has like 12 targets in the game and nico has three and brevin probably has one or two and I mean, hell, Conley's up there with two. And and then next thing you know, Rex Burkhead, even though Damian Pierce has been showing you, he's over there with all the carries. Uh, and it's it's a lot like what we saw from Tim Kelly, which we were all hoping would be different. Yeah, and there was too many times as well, I think, yesterday when, as I said, the play was set up, but you just didn't have the execution of the tailback when you've got a guy in the sidelines that, that can do that. Big frustration, yeah. I think. And... I suppose the, the overall kind of play calling, I think, was good. I mean, it, it comes to the point where you'd almost see Jeff Driscoll run it more than some of these guys at the back there. And My it, goodness. And he came on and he, he he was successful both times. He converted both times he was on the field. So that was a nice wrinkle to see. Um, but I think, you know, and OG Howard was a pleasant surprise. Um, it just shows you where we've been with that tight end room that he kind of comes in within a week and, and gets some, you know, and gets a lot, you know, gets some reasonable packages. But I think... Ron, I think the big point that we need to take away from, to not put up a point in the final t- over 27 minutes of football, to not be able to put a single point up there, get the ball back four or five times, stall out, Mills is sailing air balls into the air, He's dr- he dropped one out of bounds to Brandon Cooks on a third and three late in the fourth quarter when there was two guys wide, both tight ends. Brown was on the sideline lined up against a corner that he can take on at the, at the sticks if he meets him. And OG Howard came on a sort of comeback route, wide open, hands out, uh, and the linebacker safety, I can't remember which one it was, was nowhere near him. Um, so, t- you know, and I'm not saying it's all on Mills, and I think we've touched to some points there, but 27 minutes of football, not be able to put a point up, is you're not going to win many games playing football like that. And and the part about it that's frustrating is it felt like they were, not that they weren't trying to score, but they weren't certainly giving everything they could to say, let's go, let's go punish this and end the game. Right. They, you know, the last 27 minutes, they were so conservative. They were playing to just run the clock out instead of playing to to score. I do want to bring up a point as we're talking about the offense that you made there. I do think it's something we got to we potentially should look at from a positive point. Like 
the 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 tight end situation may be maybe the best place for them to explore matchups and to be able to get um you know some good stuff there what we saw from OJ Howard and like OJ Howard showed separation whether it was schemed for him or like the example of the play you just spoke about Pharaoh Brown I felt like on his one target showed in in his catch showed some uh, some wiggle and got a big play out of it. And I don't know, Brevin Jordan, I was really excited about walking into the year. Still haven't seen very much there from what we thought we were going to see. Thought he's going to be heavily involved from what we watched in training camp, but he really hasn't, uh, including yesterday. Those three, though, that may be, it seems like Mills is comfortable in the middle of the field. Those may be opportunities the rest of the way for them to get some. So I think coming out of the game offensively, you know, especially in that fourth quarter and overtime, it, 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 that one's tough to swallow. But at least out of that, the tight end situation, that looks like that's a place where they may have some advantage. Yeah, no, I think it's, it's a decent mix. I thought Brown had a good catch. He just probably just didn't get them involved enough. And I know they picked, it's not enough. Yeah, yeah. And they picked that up on the broadcast. I mean, the, the, a lot of I'm not seeing the, the final percentages in terms of formations, um, in terms of snaps, but I mean, the 12 personnel they picked up on the broadcast was, was a huge amount. Um, of what they rolled out and we expected that from Pep but I think when you look at um, and obviously the fumble in the fourth quarter changed that you know and that that was the big momentum swing I think that was the play that you could you would point to but the possession prior to that is where they don't go for the field goal Um, and it's the it's the fourth and two um, at the third quarter and if you kick that then regardless of what the Colts subsequently did you're still three points ahead and I think that's the that's the issue I think so Lovey and and I, I think the comments from Lovey I don't think necessarily instills much you know quality or 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 a perception that he believes in his players because effectively by not kicking it there when, when it's in a proven range of kicking for Kaimi Fairburn who's on it who's on a good salary um, in terms of kickers you said you don't trust your kickers there. It's at some points in the second half you say you didn't trust your offense, and you and then it was subsequently you've also said at that point or a different point what led, led to you being conservative again. You didn't trust the defense because the, the offense couldn't stay on the field long enough. The defense was gassed, so he's not really given a vote of confidence to anybody, and that might be a, an indirect admission of the, the caliber of players and the quality we've got in this roster, which everybody's kind of aware of. Um, but I, I think to not have any identity or even try and forge one and go after that to try and win games is perhaps a concern as well. Oh, see, I disagree. I think he has an identity. I just think he showed it. <laughs> I'm well, telling you yeah, right now, yeah. I, I think I think if that was if that was Mahomes, I think he's punting it or or or, yeah. or not. Like I, I just think that's him. Cause at the time, what is it? We were sitting at 20, 21 to three, right? And he's like yeah, you know what? Or is it twenty-one ten by that point? One of, yeah. or twenty to ten? One of, and I, at that point, man, I got a, I got a double-digit lead in the fourth quarter. Oh man, let me put let me let me pin them back. I like the way my defense is playing. Let me let me pin them back. Like most people at that that place on the field would either kick it if they're really if they're conservative or go for it, which I think most most teams would do. Fourth and two, I feel good. I can get, I can do a whole lot of stuff. You know, they got to be covering a bunch. I, I can run. I can throw the ball. Can, there's a lot of matchups of things that I can do. But he's ultra, ultra conservative, and he don't want to kick it or go for it, and he wants to punt it and pin him back. So I, I'm telling you, man, I, I, I don't care who the quarterback is or what the offense. I don't even know if it's a level of trust. I think he just trusts his belief in what he and what his his human nature is, and that is ultra conservative. And what did you make of the big kind of swing play? I think with with Tunsil, obviously, he basically, you know, shut it down after five weeks with a minor hand injury. They sort of had a clear the air talks. He kind of comes back. He's on a huge, almost untradeable contract for next year and this year. Um, And he lets you down in a big spot. And I don't think he was totally at fault because if you see before the the, the ball snapped, and actually they, they ran that same pressure um, earlier in the game, which they, which actually Damian Pierce, oddly enough, picked up as the blitzer or as or as the or as the, or as the, the final the kind of blocker. So they, they'd already run that pressure. Pierce isn't on the field at this point. Can kind of going back to a similar theme? Tunsil points him out. Green's a bit narrow. Um, he's too inverted into closer into the center. Then Tunsil has got a decision to make. He then goes in. I think he underestimates how quick the guy's speed forty five in the linebacker position comes. 
out, gets a free hit, ball pops out, Buckner lands on it. And I, I, I do think everybody will point to Tunson. I think ultimately it was his fault because he should have, he should have drifted out to the side. And I know everybody, you know, the rule of thumb is you block inside out. So therefore, I think he's thinking he can go and help the rookie out, give him a bit of a chip, and then go back out and get the guy. But the guy's too quick for him. Um, and at that point, you just felt the the momentum. You felt, you could feel it on the broadcast. The energy kind of sapped out the game, and it felt like there was only going to be one winner if it hadn't have been for Blankenship missing the, you know, pretty much a chip field goal at this level. So, what did you make of that play? And I think, what do you think of Tunso and his future? Because I think if he was on, on any other team, he might not be here right now. I think he's only here because we're in a luxury position of we don't have to pay a quarterback, etc. Um, and I think from a guy who you're probably re- going to rely on to let you down in a big moment like that, I don't know how, how well that bodes, but again, didn't play any preseason, so maybe Rust. Yeah, I think there was a lot there. One, you know, Britt is out of the game, so McCray has to move over to play center, and now Kenya yeah. Green comes in. You don't know how – it looked like it was a, a communication thing, which happens a lot. It was just a really, really bad time for it to happen. And, you know, the thought is, as you said, the thought is, let me let me get a touch on the, you know, the closest potential danger to the quarterback. And so he's going inside first and never gets out, you know, gets back out there to him. And it was and it was a deep, you know, a deep uh, a blitz where he came from. So, like, it, you know, this there was still a couple of seconds. Uh, and I, th- I think I think there w- I think the big thing is just communication, lack of time between him and Green playing together. Uh, I think came a-, a lot of what happened there, but it was it was obviously the turning point in the game. It it, it is what wrecked the plan of what Lovey had. Just uh, just let's just run as much clock as we can, and let's just play good defense, and they'll run out of time. Um, they needed the help, and that was that was the play that gave them the help, the turnover. Then it had to to drive the length of the field, and they could run their whole offense. Um, so yes, but I think the larger point is if you play with that that that's your that's your game plan. That's how you want to attack it. That conservative nature, and just say, hey, let's just let's just play not to lose instead of going to win. You know, you leave your less rope right? instead of like instead of going to win and, and playing of let's not lose you leave yourself less rope to where oh all of a sudden you know one bad thing occurs and then oh it throws a wrench in it so I, I just think you know if, if they've been playing aggressive the whole way through the fourth quarter and didn't just kind of shut it down like, I don't know if they would be in that place. They may have more points on the board to where that sack fumble, which is going to happen at times, doesn't hurt them as much. Uh, so I think the overall point was, yeah, one, that was, I think, some miscommunication between guys who had played a lot with each other. And second, you know, when you put yourself in a position of the tightrope, one bad thing happens, uh-oh, then, you know, it makes it easier for a team to come back and get you. Yeah, and I think after that point as well, the pass protection has been pretty good till that point throughout the day. I think yep. Mills started to look a bit more frantic Shaky. in the pocket. I think um, you left uh, Farrell Brown out on Quitty Payne. You get he gets a sack in the, late on in the game, and it just kind of continued. It almost kind of culminated in, in things starting to go wrong, not having that mental strength, just feeling the momentum swing the other way. And I think for me, I think centre or the interior of the line is a problem. I think Justin Britt looks slow when he gets out in his space. There was at least two blocks that he could have made, one for Rex Burkhead and one for Damian Pierce really early in the game. I think it was on the second drive. If he just makes the block against Okariki, Pierce has probably taken it to the house, and that happened too many times. And then, and then again, he's just not good anymore. No, that's man. it. Yeah, he's he's done. He's, I mean, it's yeah. just flat out, man. He's yeah. just not good anymore. Yeah, and 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 it was it was him locked eyes, expecting the linebacker to come in. Grover Stewart then blows up the play, um, the third down call where they run Rex Burke. I think it was a third and three in overtime. And uh, that was all she wrote, and then they punted. So I think it was the offense wasn't a great day. Kenyon Green, I think, did okay. Ron, did you did you pick yeah. up much? I didn't see any. There was no flashes anyway. Certainly, no. I mean, not as much. I mean, I'm I'm ready to. I mean, I'm ready to see him. <laughs> I'm ready to see him. You know, hell, I'll be honest with you. Like I, I've been mulling this over. Like they can, they can put Justin McRae at center. Like I, I'm just really like 
you know, game on the line. Uh, I mean, he just got he just got his ass kicked so much. I mean, we're, we'll talk about the punt, right? Now, I don't, I don't love the play call. You know, hey, third down and one game on the line. I'm gonna give it to Rex Burkhead. But I mean, you don't. Ninety didn't just have to kick your ass that quickly and that easily from the center position from Justin Britt to make that a, a one two yard loss. I just I, I I'm I'm overseeing him. It's not just injuries. He's just not good. I, my eyes told me last year that he was far far too often in the backfield, two steps two, three steps off snaps. And I thought, well, maybe that was, you know, that whole offense that, that, you know, Bill O'Brien and Tim Kelly run where there's so much thinking and it, no, man, he was living in the backfield again. I mean, he's just, I mean, he's just done to me. Yeah. And there was that disastrous series before they punted the ball back before Blankenship missed it in overtime and three of the five guys false started. They called it on Titus Howard, but three of them jumped offside. And again, that was, I assume, from the center's communication and snap. Well, he also had a false start where he just moved. He just moved yeah. his leg and yeah. didn't snap. And so it was, yeah, he's, I'm over him. Yeah, and I think, you know, we've got Quesenberry there on the, you know, just give him a go, I think, you know, and see what you've got there. I think, and, and I remember him playing uh, for the Chargers last year, and I'm sure Malik Collins had a couple on him. So he's not he's not excellent um, by any stretch. But yeah, you think at this stage. But I, I think if, if history's taught us anything, Justin Britt will get injured at some point, Ron, I think, and it, it won't be a discussion yeah. point. So <laughs> you, you don't wish ill health on anybody, but I think, you know, I, I think that the Texans are doing their young quarterback a disservice. But when you take the whole complexion into, or the whole sort of uh, body of work from Mills, what's your latest view? When you know, still a small sample size to state, but add, add this game in, what does it change? Where are you at? Nothing. Uh, I'm not mad at Davis Mills. I know there. I, as I saw Texans Twitter and I talked to people after the game, they're mad. I'm not mad at Davis Mills. Um, if you if you know me, I've said this since the year ended. Um, I've seen enough. I, I know what Davis Mills is. I know it was just 11 games last year. I've seen that. Um, Davis Mills is not good enough to get you through the quarterbacks and the teams in the AFC that you're going to have to go through over the next decade. You watch Josh Allen on Thursday night. Come on. You watch Patrick Mahomes yesterday. Come on. You watch Justin Herbert. Come on. Deshaun hasn't played, but you've watched Deshaun Watson for the first, you know, years of his career. You know where he is. You watch Joe Burrow. Uh, even playing bad, he brought his team back and they should have won. You see Lamar Jackson yesterday. All of those guys are under 27. Yeah. All of them. Yeah. And, and, and Davis Mills isn't running through those guys. I'm not upset what I saw. Davis Mills is exactly what I saw. He is all right. And yesterday he was inconsistent like he's going to be yesterday. He made some good. Th you got to scheme it like hell with him uh, to make plays. And then the biggest point when it comes down to it, he had four drives in the fourth quarter and overtime with his team to either put the game away or win it four drives over four didn't even. And I mean, when I say put away, he just got to get in field goal range. You just got to get in field goal range to put points on the board or field goal range to go ahead. Four drives. He almost threw a pick that really ended it uh, uh, to Stefan Gilmore. Yeah. I don't know who the hell he was throwing that to. You said he sailed the ball over. And when I say this, I'm not even going to talk about Mahomes or Allen or none of those guys. Yesterday, Baker Mayfield trailed in the fourth quarter. But uh, he needed, he scored three times with his team, brought him back in the fourth quarter. You know what else happened? They lost. Why? Because Jacoby Brissett was able to drive it down and put his team in position to kick a field goal to win the game. Mitch Trubisky twice yesterday drove his team down in position to kick field goals to win games, and eventually they won the game. Like Those aren't the great quarterbacks, but those three did it. Yeah. Hell, Carson Wentz did it twice last yesterday in the fourth quarter for Washington with his team trailing. Had to have it drives. He had four of them to just get field goals, and he couldn't get his team in field goal range. Now, is it all his fault? No. But those guys make plays. Four drives. Like, I'm not upset because Davis Mills has an obvious limit. It is a, it is a reason why he was the eighth drafted quarterback in his draft class. 
And I mean, I, it just so I'm not upset. He did exactly what I thought he would do. Yeah, it was that play, uh, the Stefan Gilmer one you touched on there. Um, I don't know who he was throwing to if somebody ran, ran the wrong route. Looked like he was st- throwing it to Gilmore. That's what it looked like. <laughs> oh, he was yeah. So it was in between Chris Moore and Brandon Cooks. Um, and when you get the ball back, fourth quarter, minute 54 on the clock, three Here timeouts. You got a moment, you right? Here, do here you go. Yeah. And, that, that's, go. and that's the moments, I think, where even if you're the biggest Mills whatever you want to call it. I hate these phrases that people use. Yeah. Stuff like that. If you want, if you want to be sort of non, non objective and, and almost, you know, tribal in your thoughts because you, you want it to succeed and we all do. But I think when you see a moment like that, and that was one of four, as you said, there's only so many times you can try and give them the benefit of doubt and say, you know, maybe this kid He's got a future in the league. I don't think anybody's doubting that. But as you said, within the context of this AFC, we need a flat-out baller. If you're going to be, even even if you have one, you're still not guaranteed success in the AFC now. Uh, and, and look, I'm not saying he won't just take a Josh Allen jump and it may all click. And he, If he could become you know, incredibly consistent and not sail those balls and make those throws then fine. And and look, and it's easy to say, you know, he shouldn't be throwing the ball. I think it was 37 attempts or whatever he had. Too many. He's not, he's not, he's not got the arm for it. Um, and that's why I think you start seeing them sailing, partly because they're not running the get, run the ball so well. Um, but I, I thought in a game where it was handed to you on a plate multiple times, you didn't take it. It wasn't like you had to go and fight for it and win it out, out of, you know, the jaws of defeat. It was literally handed on a plate to the team and they didn't take it, regardless of the talent around, regardless of the new scheme, play call, and all the kind of mitigating facts you want to make. It just wasn't there. The clutch factor that you need for a guy who you can put, you know, and and we had one, and that's the worst bit about it at times. But you you had you know that sort of you'd put your mortgage on him scoring at times because you know he's going to go and do it. And uh, I just at no point did I feel confident. It just felt like the offense's no. belief had drained, and and perhaps some of his own belief as well. I'm gonna. I'll tell you right now, like. You know, you didn't think about it, but then when you look out there at it, like he has, he had at least as much talent as Matt Ryan did out there. I mean, Matt Ryan is a shell of his MVP self. He can't move. You know where he's going to be, right? Jerry Hughes was killing that right tackle, Braden Smith, all game long. I mean, he was getting pressure. He's throwing to no names outside of Pittman. I mean, who are these guys? How many times in the fourth quarter did he get his team down there, either scores? or in position to, to get, I mean, he did it over there and, and, and he's, he's not anywhere near where he is. He's not an elite quarterback. It's just, I mean, you just have to, you got to take it for what it is. And if they are in the, in the business of, Hey, he is our quarterback right now until we are finding the guy we need to be our franchise guy, then I'm fine with it. All right. Just sit there. But if they're in the deal of, hey, man, we're going to see what Davis is like, what are you talking about? Like, you can't watch these games of these other teams of players and quarterbacks in this conference that are young, that aren't going anywhere. And they're not just coming by themselves. They've got teams with them. Right. They got other 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 Hall of Fame caliber players with them, all pro caliber players with them. You can't sit here and say, man, I'm going to run like this Mills thing is, is, is something to really look at. Just, I mean, you got to stop this. Yeah. No, I think, I think you need, I think we'll, we'll have constant reminders. And I think he's got a full another 16 games after this week to go. It's starting with Denver next week, which is going to be a tough place for him to go against a really good defense. Oh, I forgot about him. Yeah, yeah. Russell, he's in Denver. Yeah. yeah you know, I mean, they're, they're, <laughs> I mean, they're quarterback. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think you saw that yesterday with the way Justin Herbert brought them back in, in LA as well. I think, you know, it's just, it's, the competition is far from if, if this was the NFC, you could maybe say, yeah, build a team around it might give you some form of chance. But again, you'd still be limited, I think. So, yeah, yeah it was a reminder if you needed one or you perhaps just didn't want to uh, yeah. concede the you point. To yourself, yeah, yeah, I think it's, it's definitely something. What did you make of the defence? I've had kind of concerns about Lovey calling the plays and trying to manage the game. He obviously didn't manage the game well, but I thought overall... Probably the highlight, obviously, filling the stack column. Jerry Hughes gets an interception uh, and a strip sack. Uh, what did you think of the defense overall, Ron? 
I like the defense. I like it a lot. Um, I think um, I think what the offense at least did this year is they sustained some semblance of drives to where the defense, which I thought played well early in games a lot last year, just wore down because they were on the field so much. Um, I mean, 20 points. I mean, 20 points um, to a team. You get multiple turnovers. Uh, and, you, you know, I, I think that's that's good. You, you got turnovers. You stop them on fourth down, which is basically like a turnover. Uh, I, I think the defense, really, Jerry Hughes uh, was was great. I'd like to see I thought John Grenard, I would, you know, you see a little bit more from him rushing the passer. Uh, we'll see there Malik Collins, but they are a solid, solid group. Um, I just disagree with some of the personnel packages. Like it was clear, like they were trying to get running back, especially Hines on uh, Grugier Hill, lining him up one-on-one, and they just exploited that matchup. I thought maybe bringing a safety in there because at that point, Jonathan Taylor was running all over you anyhow. Um, But that that matchup was just easy for him on third downs or they needed to get plays. That would would be only it. But, man, you came in here and said, hey, man, this team is going to get turnovers um, and and pressure and – you know, allow 20 points, you know, in an overtime as well. I, you know, I would, in five quarters, I would take that every time. Well, in, yeah. In today's and it should be enough. Yeah. I mean, not only conceding yep. 20 points, as you said, five quarters should be enough to see you through. I think partly, and you, you saw it, and I put a, a clip out or just a still image of this on Twitter today. I think when the Texans go to their second string front four, I think yep. that's a bit of a concern because it was like it was like bowling, uh, bowling balls pins flying around at times in those white jerseys, you know. Especially with the injuries, right? We'll see if Green and Addison are there. I feel like that would be better. Um, but, but yeah, they 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 were there was a, a clear drop off. Hopefully, if they get healthy, they get those guys back in. Uh, it'll it'll be better. Yeah, because I, I think Mario Addison's potentially, and I, you probably can yeah. verify this at training camp, Ron, but it's potentially, certainly from reading the reports, is potentially their best just flat out rusher um, at times. And Tunsil touched upon that going against them was you know the, probably the hardest one he had in in training camp. Um, and then yeah, and Rashid Green I think is good because he gives you that inside outside versatility that you can mix up the looks at times. Um, you've brought you know uh, Tony Harris up. I don't think he did a huge amount. Um, and I think Heinish and Doma for Kenny got pushed around a lot. And look, it's a good Colts line. Um, but yeah, like you said, yeah. I think they just pushed them around too much. And yeah, and Grenard, okay, he got two TFLs, um, particularly, you know, that one in the Wildcat where they ran Hines. But I think when he's going against a guy, Matt Pryor, who most people, your average fan, will not have heard of, to not get enough pressures uh, when Jerry Hughes is lining up on the other side um, is probably something to know. And I think uh, 45 or Uncle was a liability and they went after him and then they yeah, t- you couldn't play him. Yeah. And they had to pull him and they, they hit him after that. Yeah. I, I, I was surprised. I, I thought the Texans, if they could find a way to get the game into a space where the Colts had to pass and the Texans knew they had to pass and they could just pin their ears back. I, I thought they, and they got good pressure, right? They're nitpicking, but I just, you know, I thought you might see when it was 20 to 17 or 20 to, I'm sorry, 20 to three, I'm like, oh boy, like they got a pass. They know they got a pass and they're going to have problems. I thought Pryor was going to have a lot of problems and, and they were already having problems with, with Jerry Hughes. Uh, so that, that was a, that was a tad disappointing, but like I said, nitpicking, I think the defense was really, really good yesterday. What did you think of the two rookies first of Petrie? I think gave a 15 yard penalty away, led with his helmet um, he missed what should have been an interception and would have got you the ball right down there uh, late in the game. Um, he missed some tackles as well. He flies around and I think he's going to be a hell of a player. Uh, but I think he looked a little bit raw yesterday and he kind of showed up a bit and, and when he could have so easily. And he had another interception where he got caught underneath the ball or, or a near interception. I think he just got his hand on it. It was a reception to Pittman on the outside. But I, 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 I was hoping for more, I think, from Petrie. Yeah, I think from the context of a rookie playing his first game, him and Stingley, I was pretty good with it. Like I, they just they didn't they didn't seem overwhelmed, uh, and they didn't seem like they didn't fit in. I mean, they were like there's some there's some stuff that it makes sense as a rookie read stuff uh, that they'll get better. 
but like they were flying around, right? And they were especially Petrie, they were flying around and and Stingley had a couple of a really nice pass breakup in the end zone there uh at, at one point uh to 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 stop a touchdown. So for those two guys, you know, I, I think those are guys people are really excited about. Uh, weren't perfect. There's some improvements there, but I think the overall thing I took from both of them is they didn't look overwhelmed. They looked like, for the most part, they belonged out there. Like some some points, like you know, we talked about it earlier with Green and that miscommunication there. There's some points where you're like, okay, maybe, maybe he, you know, he still needed stuff. Those guys seemed like they were ready, you know, and fit in at least. Yeah, and I think that pass breakup in the end zone uh, where the Texans eventually turned it over. Uh, or I think, or no, that was one where they kicked the field goal. Um, but yeah, that, that transitional quickness to make up the ground, to break on the ball and and bat it down like that, I think that's that was a rare flash, I think. And, you know, you want to see that because taking a corner back that high is, uh, you know, it's unprecedented in many senses, uh, second of records for... for Spe- especially in Lovey's defense yeah. that we've noticed. It's a, a more zone and more, you know, I'd rather hit. You know, he's more Rondé Bar- Barber type of style than, you know, a shutdown corner type. Yeah, but to see that, I think Ron was, was excellent yeah. to to know it's there. And I think, and they didn't go after him much. I think they went after Steven Nelson a lot, who held up admirably all day. I think he had three pass breakups in the game. Um, he, and I was, I was a little bit skeptical. Um, and I know you've really seen him in your time in Kansas City and stuff like that. Um, he was a bit of a, a flag machine at times. Uh, was my certain, certainly my interpretation or, or impression of him. Uh, but I thought he had a good game too. Yeah, he was solid. Yep. Yep. Yeah. He's a guy that we used to call him Hansy Steve. Uh and uh but but no, he cleaned it up, had a couple of good pass breakups and and did well. I mean, that's a receiving core that the Texans, even though they're young, that's a receiving core the Texans should be able to handle. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That 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 that's they'll see some different ones. Like we watched Miami yesterday. That's gonna be that's gonna be a tall task. You know, they play the Chiefs, that's gonna be a tall task. They play the Chargers, they play the Raiders. They've got some 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 teams. That's one they should handle. And and I think they handle pretty well for the most part. Yeah. What was your biggest surprise of the day, Ron? Is anybody anything that you just didn't see coming from all those days of training camp out there? Was there anything that, that took you back? We we've hit on it a little bit. I you know, the dominance of Jerry Hughes caught me off guard. The the quickness, the the speed, the pace, the ability of everything. Like he impacted the game, forced fumble, interception, multiple sacks, you know, causing penalties from Braden Smith uh, to, to move early because he was coming. I, you know, I, I thought he would be a good addition. Like they've got a lot of these guys. They've got a lot of real leadership culture guys that aren't real productive, you know, like Rex, Chris Conley, Justin Britt, we've touched on. He's a real culture guy, but he appears to be a guy that's going to be productive too. And um, he's, he's, you know, his mid thirties, you know, to see that the, the, the get off that he still has, that was still surprising to me in a game that Jerry Hughes at one point just single-handedly dominated. Like, I mean, he took them out of field goal range on a drive by himself with a sack and then causing Braden Smith to jump because he was trying to, yeah. to get out early. Uh, just pushed him out of field goal range. So, uh, you know, that that was my biggest surprise, how dominant he was at that time. Yeah, I think for me, it was actually Jonathan Owens in terms of how well he tackled. Yeah. Um, I, I think, I mean, I don't think he's, you don't want him as a start in safety. I don't think at this point in his career, um, he may be a bit of a late bloomer, but I, I, I was reasonably impressed with him. I thought he looked solid. You were sure in the tackle. Um, read the, his keys well, and I, I, I thought you know for all the, the hype he gets about for his other you know his other half being a, a former Olympic athlete, I think you know it was good to see him kind of stand up on his own light. And the safety position was my big concern coming into the season, but it didn't look or it certainly didn't cost them the game yesterday. That wasn't the reason why they they tied it, um, which is an odd thing to say. But <laughs> but here we are um, talking about yeah. it. But what was the biggest disappointment of the day? Do you think, Ron? Uh, there were a few, but I, I, I will, I'll go here. Um, the uh, inability to not get Nico Collins involved. Uh, we started to see late, like, okay, the last couple of preseason games and in practice, using his body and his speed in a way we hadn't seen him do it yet. And he caused penalties against the Niners, two of them, 
uh, in that preseason game and then start going up and just using his body and making catches. Like it looked like, okay, he's, he's ready to be a guy on the other side of cooks that they can use, you know, big body boundary type receiver. And they just didn't get it. They just, it didn't seem like it was a priority to get there. And I don't know whose fault that was that it's pep or, or, or Davis, but that was really disappointing that, you know, Nico Collins and Chris and Chris Conley had about the same amount of targets and they didn't, they didn't find a way to get him more involved in this game. Yeah, I think for me, it was the offensive play call, and I think it just how it, it just wasn't varied enough, and I think it, yeah. it, it really held the team back, and in, in particularly on, I think as we touched upon, to get the ball that many times and not do anything with it, of no, um, and not trust your kicker and all this kind of stuff, um, just wasn't good. But I, I think Ron, my, my overall reflections from the game, I think, is this is a much more physical, a much more apart from linebacker. I think we still need to improve on that position. I hope Christian Harris comes back and he gives him a bit of zip yeah. because in the past covers are just as you said, Grugy Hill liability. Kirksey's only good going downhill, and you know I know Kevin Pierre Lewis had a tip ball and stuff and things, but yeah, we just got caught out on that and those intermediate areas. That was where they when they had to have fine yards. That was where they got it, and I think I think you know the linebacker spot needs to be upgraded. I'd put that you know up the top you know top few needs. Um, obviously, you want to get some edge rushers in the building, but I think this team overall is much more physical, much more penalties were okay, but it was is a much more disciplined, much more physical football team and I think it was certainly a hell of a lot easier to watch than it was at times last year yeah for me um there are a lot of a lot of good things we saw yesterday to build a 20 to 3 lead uh to to be able to let a team make mistakes and and capitalize it at times on them but I think the number one thing overall what you can't come away without learning is like this is a team that is better than it was last year better coach than it was last year. But they they came off yesterday with decisions they made of we're okay with just being okay. Like we're like we're okay with being all right. And when you make the decision for the tie, you make the decisions that you made in the fourth quarter just you know trying to hold on like that is that's not that's not a killer instinct. That's not a let me dare to be great. We're just okay with being okay. And and I as a fan, that would that that would be a real difficult thing for me. But yeah. that's that's one of the things I took away from yesterday. Yeah, I think you could I mean there is there is a potential, you know, scenario where if you've got a grossly talented team with big difference makers, none of which we have. Um, then yep. you can afford to sort of lean into that sphere of coaching and, and philosophy, um, but you can't do it with this team. And I think you know when when if there's any time to throw caution at the wind, if there's anything to try things if on special teams or trick plays or whatever it might be, just do it. Give the fans something to look after. I think and 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 root for because at times it was good, but the defense faded. Partly legs, partly the offense not being on the field, uh, but it just felt like you could have just thrown caution to the wind a little bit more and just gone for it. But here we are, the first ever tie in Texans history. Yep. The, the the Browns won. Obviously, that's uh, something we're going to keep an eye on for most of the season. Um, they, they kicked, obviously, York, who they dra- drafted in the fourth round, last-minute field goal. But actually, I think what swung the game or what was the difference between the two teams ultimately um was the the ability to just run the ball down uh, Carolina and the the twenty seven seconds left on the clock they managed to go right up the field at the end of the the first half and score a field goal there as well and I think just that that ability to run the ball um, is going to see the Browns okay you know despite having you know Watson out for this amount of games until he visits NRG but certainly I think that's not necessarily going to be a very high draft pick unless there's injuries certainly based on yesterday because Carolina we, we saw them last year not the worst defence by any stretch of the no. imagination lost a couple of guys but um, yeah I think the Browns are going to be able to ride on running the ball and, and playing smart smart uh, safe football they may be able to win some games as you said talking about the Texans they do have some difference makers that that can't help with that but, you know Miles Garrett can't pop up and make a play and you know, and they've, you know, they've got good guys in the secondary as well. And then Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, 
as we saw yesterday, can just go, you know, make plays behind that offensive line. But damn, boy, if you're a Texans fan, that was one you wanted to get. Yeah. You know, if you're hoping that that draft picks as high as it can be. Yeah. And when Baker ran into the end zone and he just about took the camera out. Yeah, he just about took the cameraman out there with, with the throw the throwing the ball off the uh off the boards. But um yeah, it was one you, you potentially expect, but it's a really easy schedule for them to be honest in the first yeah, right up five to bat, weeks. Yeah. yeah, so I think I can see them winning at least four games quite comfortably. Um so we'll we'll keep an eye on that as it goes through the season. And the AFC South, we are a top joint top of the AFC South, both the Jags, you touched on it earlier in terms of uh, Wentz ripped them up, um, so maybe the Jags aren't going to bounce back as much as some may have predicted. And the uh, and the Titans laid an egg uh, with, with a two-point conversion late on Daniel Jones, brings them uh, roaring back, um, <laughs> relatively speaking. But yeah, I think I think the, the I think both games Ron showed us the division is potentially there for more wins just by I think you know both the teams are particularly the Titans have, have regressed. This this is one where you know you don't want to look in the rearview mirror, but good God almighty, you know what what this could be if everything that didn't happen the last two years, if you had the quarterback that you thought you were gonna be having, I mean the Texans would dominate this division. I mean, the Titans, they lose to the Giants, but that's not going to be the last bad loss. I mean, they laid it. I mean, they are they are just a different team. They're not as talented at all. We saw what A.J. Brown did in Philadelphia yesterday, and they're, and they're just losing that guy and trying to replace him with a rookie who has asthma problems. Like, that is this is, yeah. this is a different – this is a different group. And, like, to me, I still would stay, say the same after the games. I'm, after the game, I'm not impressed at all by the Colts. But if the Colts just play games and don't make, you know, as many mistakes and errors, they'll probably win this division. Like, I mean, and they're not, they're not, when you put them on par with the other top teams in the AFC, they're not even close, but they should, they should win, you know, these games. They didn't win yesterday because they just tried not to. Uh, And, and. I don't think they'll do that. I don't think they'll make those many mistakes the rest of the way, especially within this, this division. But it is not impressive at all. And, it, it you know, it brings even more because the Colts just seem like they're in refusal of, of, of ever getting a, a quarterback uh, for the future. That the, the Texans, they can, they can get back into this thing quickly because this is – they're not in the AFC West or, or the North. Like they can get back in it. Nobody has a, you know, with the exception of Lawrence, nobody has a long term quarterback. And you just, they, what, they make the right moves here coming up. They can, they, you know, they can get back in it quicker. Yeah. Than, than maybe what you would have thought. Yeah. It's definitely there for the take. And I think that's the, perhaps some of the solace you can take and difficult results yet, like yesterday, to, to see a future. And I think 2024, I think a huge amount is possible, but it's going to be a, a bit of a, a bit of a grind, I think, to get through. These next years, in particular, it's clear this you know salary cap situation because next year they're not going to have much money to spend either. But I think um, Denver road trip, um, I've witnessed it myself in person. <laughs> that altitude makes a difference. It's not an easy place to go. They've got a good record despite being in quarterback purgatory pretty much since Peyton Manning left and won them to the Super Bowl under Gary Kubiak. They bring in Russell Wilson, perhaps the most cringeworthy sportsman in America at times I think I, I struggle with them uh, I saw the was it Mitchell Schwartz tweet about him being a method actor and it's hilarious for the rest of us as he watch him on as he was he fake like, high five. He, he likes a little genuine <laughs> yeah right. I think that's uh, safe to say um, but what's your expectations next week going up to Denver um, obviously they play tonight we've not seen them yet as we're yeah. recording but what, what do you think is there any chance to get a result there because on paper it would seem a mismatch yeah, on paper, we'll be we'll, we'll have to see how they look. Um, they're gonna be a, they're gonna be a problem. I mean, we saw it get away from them in the second half with Jonathan Taylor in the run game. I'll tell you, Javante Williams. Maybe a lot of people don't know about him yet, but he is a he is a load, uh, and he is he, he is going to. They're probably going to use him a lot, uh, and obviously they've got weapons on the edge as well with Russ, and their defense is really good too. So. Uh, that that's one you you don't love the chances there, uh, and it's going to be a crazy atmosphere for Davis Mills as as uh, Mal High usually is. Uh, so that one that that's an uphill battle uh, uh, to say that nicely. 
yeah. that, that that's an uphill battle. Yeah, and that was where the name of the podcast came from, Ron, was the last trip to Denver. Um, the spiral fumble from Brock Osweiler. Um, and I remember getting the flight <laughs> flight home thinking, why did I do this to myself? And it was a turn up for what kind of moment or why did I do this? What am I turning yeah. up for? And, um, and despite tweets and messages on Reddit about changing the name. We've got no plans of changing it. It's a it's a question yeah, yeah. with a with a synonymous player spelling. Um but hopefully it's not another m- moment like that this week when the Texans fans are making the trip back. But we first home game of the season, new quarterback, new ownership. It, it looks like the odds are stacked against it, but we will see. We'll be back again next week to talk about that. Um, please share the podcast, like us, subscribe on YouTube, um, share it with another Texans fan if you can, tweet it out, retweet it, give us some support. Be much appreciated of that. Um, and thank you to Ron for his time. Ron, it's been a pleasure. We'll definitely have to do this again sometime. Yes, sir, man. It was a good time, man. It was fun. Thanks to Ron and thanks to everybody for listening. And we'll be back next week to review the game in Denver. Mm-hmm.